Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast, Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. It's so good to have you with us today. Uh, We are excited because we get to chat with each other again, and we've got a very topical topic today, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. So excited to dig, I think, a little deeper into this one because there's so much, I think, for us and for hopefully for our listeners that... um, that this topic can explore both kind of the negative, but hopefully a bit of the positive and the supportive and the moving forward, moving forwardive. I just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Keep making it yeah. up. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> if JK Rowling can make up words like disapparate, we can make up any words we like. I, I think I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So, so the topic we're going to be talking about today is da, 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 burnout, because yeah. ah, it seems to be on everybody's lips. Yeah. Uh, and I'm curious to know what your observation of this has been like, Sarah, in your world, in you know, the Northern Hemisphere. I can tell you down here in the South, we are burning out fast, really fast. And it's a concern because... Uh, as we sort of come out of this peculiar COVID era into the post-COVID time, Mm. everybody is sort of running around, scrambling to work out what's coming next, how to be best prepared. And everybody's in a place of complete and utter exhaustion to start with. Yes. And and don't seem to have got the, the wherewithal sorted out on how to move in a sustainable way to be, you know, effective, productive, enjoy, you know, life and work. And when I saw recently that this last 12 months alone, we've seen another 5% rise in those people reporting burnout symptoms. I'm thinking, well, that's just the ones that are reporting it. What about all those people who are just living with it, who haven't been surveyed, who haven't been included in those statistics? I think... This is the proverbial iceberg. We, we, we know it's a growing problem, but it's what lies beneath that I think we really need to address. What, 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 what's your thoughts on this? Oh, well, first, I just echo everything that you've just said. Um, and I, I find it really concerning, I think, um, from what I'm seeing and what I'm, what I'm doing with my clients and when I'm speaking, you know, friends and colleagues and everything is that um, it feels like we're running towards a brick wall and we can <laughs> see the brick wall and you know but we're just you know in a train heaping coal into that engine and and you know yeah. I've seen it across you know I work with a complete myriad of organizations mm-hmm. uh, but I've seen it in every one you know there mm-hmm. is no, you know this um we had this pause moment I think in 2020 where businesses, 
accepted slowdown, accepted this kind of reduction in, um, well, accepted the idea that there may be a reduction in productivity. The reality is there wasn't a reduction in productivity, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> but they accepted that there may be, and they kind of toned down this expectation on people. And so um, those of us with small people hanging off us while we were doing Zoom calls and things like that had the ability to be a bit more flexible. And then what I found and what I personally experienced, September 2020, I think it was, um, we all kind of came back, if you will. And definitely in the UK, children were back at school from that point onwards. And for some reason, we just flicked back to normal expectation. So actually, from, from our perspective here, Northern Hemisphere, the world was still not operating the way that it used to. But we weren't making any allowances for people anymore. And that goes mm. for myself. I mean, I was at that time working on a massive project, ended up being doing 10 hour. I was in this beautiful yellow room <laughs> doing like 10 hour days, meetings and things like that. Um, constantly. And this, this, um, you know, the triple peak that Satya Nadella talks about where, you know, we, we used to have like people start working and then they pause and then they work in the middle or the afternoon. And then people are checking in in the evening before they go to bed. Um, and I, I think, you know, Microsoft did all this work on the, on the triple peak. Um, but what I find is that the the idea of the triple peak is fantastic. So you do a little bit of work and then you pause and a little bit of work and, you know, and we've talked about that in rhythms and all those ah, kind of things. Yeah, 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 However, yeah. my observation with my clients is that there's no peak. There's no trough. There's not the pause. They're starting work really early in the morning and they're finishing work really late at night. And so one, people who have just kind of, you know, carry themselves through the pandemic, uh, got out, we're, we're getting out the other side. Um, there has been no collective moment of mourning, of recovery, of, if I were, if I were the, the president or the prime minister of the world or queen of the world, however, you want it, I would just stop for a month. Mm. And I know the logistics of that are difficult, but probably not as difficult as as we make out to be, because we're on this perpetual motion again, like I said, feeding fire to this. So what I have seen is that people have not had a chance to pause, to reflect, to mourn, um, to grieve for what's happened, for what's lost, for what's done, to rest, to recover. And we are, we're growing, right? Everything mm. is pushing towards hyper growth, consistent hyper growth. Mm. And this idea that we should just carry on without stopping, i it's bonkers. It's totally bonkers. It's, it's completely bonkers. <laughs> and when you, when you describe that, I immediately had this image of a very fragile, skinny, etiolated plant. Mm -hmm. You know, the ones that grow super fast. Yep. Because they've grown too fast, too quick. They're all spindly and they're not very strong. And it just takes one little, not even a storm, just a little bit of rain. It's bluff. They're flat on their backs. That, they're done. That <laughs> I think that's exactly it, isn't it? That's exactly <laughs> it, right? And we haven't 
given them, we haven't given our poor little plants, you know, the bamboo stick that they need to grow up, the yep. support, uh, yes. the nourishment, the time, ta- anything, right? So it's this stretching. Mm. And we've talked about this before, this kind of resilience versus efficiency uh, line. Yep. Um, yep. And anyone who, who doesn't know that, it's kind of um, David Marquet uh, described efficiency and resilience being two points of the same on the same line. So, yes. Um, yes. And, it, and we have been moving on this efficiency line and there's no organizational resilience built into the world of work that we live in. And for me, this is so critical because we constantly talk about making people more resilient, which (laughs) we could have another whole session on that one. (laughs) Um, But we're organizationally, we're not creating a resilient thriving environment that, you know, that you and I advocate. Um, which is all about creating this framework for people to thrive in. Um, and, and it's, I see so many people and so many of the people I'm seeing, Jenny, are those people you described who are not talking about how burnt out they are, but they are absolutely on the edge. Um, yep. You know, yep. if it was their physical health, they would 100% be in the hospital. For sure. But because it's their physical, their mental, their social, their emotional, everything, mm-hmm. uh, for some reason it's it's often easier to just ignore it all and hope it will go away, <laughs> which is not the best thing to do. I think what frustrates me with the burnout issue, especially knowing that it's a growing issue, mm. is that so many people, especially leaders of organisations, really still often don't have a clue as to what burnout actually is. And unless you know that people are on the same page when we're talking about burnout, we could be talking about all sorts of different things and we're not resolving the the, the, the challenge that burnout presents because very often burnout is seen as the individual's issue. Mm-hmm. It's their fault they've ended up in this space. It's because they lack resilience. <laughs> they haven't said no right. enough. They haven't. They haven't said no enough. Yes, they're clearly <laughs> they're not, not up to the care job. Of themselves. <laughs> not up yeah. to the job, or the worst one is well, there's nothing wrong with them really. They're just a bit depressed. They need to go and see their doctor, and you know they'll get some antidepressants, and then they'll be fine. And I think what I'll do is I'll just, because everybody has been working a bit hard recently, I'll just send out a pamper package to everybody on the team because that's going to make everybody feel fine and nobody will be feeling burnt out anymore. And we know that doesn't work because we're not dealing with the actual issue of what burnout is, what contributes to it, and what needs to be done to A, rectify the problem and B, prevent it from occurring in the first place because until we get clear on what it is we're talking about, we're not going to be able to do step two and step three and I think that's the biggest issue. It's a bit like mental health and mental illness. We all know that mental illness is also a growing problem. And we know that we need to be doing something about it. But we're jumping up and down saying, let's do something. Let's do something um, like, or let's bring in tighter gun control. But nobody's actually doing anything about it. And I think that's that's certainly 
my frustration with it at the moment. For anyone who is listening, who is a leader, who maybe feels they should be focusing on burnout or is now realizing they should be, but they don't know what it is. What is your um, very expert opinion? What's your definition and description of burnout? Well, I wish I could claim to have my own definition, but I don't. But I can share <laughs> I can share what the World Health Organization has used as their definition. They were very careful to state it was an occupational syndrome, which mm. means it's not a medical condition. Yeah. And it's driven by your experience of chronic unmitigated stress, primarily in the workplace. But occupation, of course, is not just work, work. Uh, you You can be occupied in different ways, as we know. So it could be um, parents with very small children. It could be the other end of the spectrum where you're taking care of aged, frail parents. Um, there are all sorts of different situations where you may be put in a situation that's beyond your control, um, that's putting an enormous amount of stress on you, and there's no near end in sight. And so you just buckle up and think, well, I'll just keep on keeping on, forgetting that, you know, doing it all on your own isn't the ideal. And I think the biggest message that I try to share with people who are worried they're burning out or think they have burnt out or they know somebody else who is, is to get help because Mm. trying to resolve these issues on your own is really, really hard. And that's why well-intentioned gestures can sometimes miss the mark. And I think what we can do is to help leader understand that there are three things that contribute. It's not something that happens overnight. It develops over time. Yeah. And it's usually um, extreme and complete exhaustion, as we mentioned before. It's the physical, yeah. emotional, social. Um, and I've forgotten one, but that's okay. But it's total exhaustion <laughs> to the point that you can no longer function. Yes. And it's that inability to maybe get out of bed or get dressed or to make a phone call or to interact with. And and the worst thing, I think, for many people is they lose the ability to think. They Mm. just haven't got the capacity. There's no brain power switched on anymore. They're they're empty. It's like they're a hollow shell. It's a horrible state to be in. Wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. You've also got this sense of It's like depersonalization. It's almost like you're on the outer looking in. So you might be showing up to work, but you don't feel part of it anymore. And even if it was a job that you used to love doing, all of a sudden it's like, this is such a drag. How much longer have I got to do this? How many more times have I got to turn up and do this, deal with these clients, deal with my colleagues? And you just want to be somewhere else, anywhere else, except where you are right now. And of course, the consequence of that is your efficiency and performance goes because you're too tired to do anything and you're not connected anymore with with your work with your colleagues and and everything else around you so it's um, a difficult situation to find yourself in and I think the other thing to to highlight is it's not the same as a mental mood disorder such as depression or anxiety or panic, even though they can coexist how so how do people um and i know you're doing a lot of work on this right now how do people i guess understand because all the things you've described are also things i have heard as signs of depression so 
Yeah. Yeah. How do we, how do we look at that? How do we, how do we, how do we know what's wrong with us? (laughs) (laughs) I think the biggest difference is that in depression, you, it's associated with a low mood, very flat affect. Everything's gray and dismal. You don't necessarily have to have that in burnout. You're exhausted, but you haven't got that low, low, low mood. The other thing is depression, while it can slow you down and everything feels an effort, it doesn't impair your ability to think in the same way as burnout does. So those are probably the two. And that's why there's so much confusion, especially knowing that the two can happily coexist. So you can be burning (laughs) out and be depressed simultaneously. Um, So unpicking those is is difficult. It can be tricky. (laughs) But I think, and that's the other reason why it's really important to go to a health professional to, to find out what the heck is going on. Because if you're not sure what's going on in yourself. And if you haven't experienced it before, how can you know yeah. what it is? Um, I think that's the critical thing because you don't want to be treated for burnout when you're actually depressed. And you don't want to be treated for depression if you're actually burning out because the methodologies are different. I mean, with depression, it might be looking at your lifestyle. It might be looking at taking medication such as an antidepressant or seeing a psychologist or somebody like that. Somebody who's burning out You might need to address those issues too, especially if there's an associated depression. But the other thing is to look at what is causing this heightened level of stress that means that people can never switch off. They're on 24-7. And so they're in this perpetual state of threat Mm -hmm. and they need assistance to know how to switch off again. Yeah. And I guess when you say that, that that resonated so clearly, this they can't switch off and this heightened sense of stress. So this Mm. idea, and this is what I'm hearing a lot of as well, is they, they have to do the work, the people who I'm listening to, you know, because one who else will do it, um, things will fall over, et cetera, et cetera. But the caveat to that, that I, that I also see is that that's true. So because we've gone down this efficiency route, there are there are people who are working so hard. And if they are not working so hard, then everything around them becomes it either grinds to a halt or it does break and fall over. (laughs) And this is the building in organizational resilience means, Mm. for me, means putting people on either side of everyone, just below and just above, right? So not this kind of step change. It was something that, um, that I think Zappos did quite early on was that they didn't want to have those kind of linchpin people. Yes, And not that those people aren't amazing, but that actually in terms of like support and, um, and organizational sustainability, as you rightly described, um, Mm. if everyone has someone who is not, you know, the manager is 20%, you know, knows 20% more does 20 or whatever that is, but someone who is between one and 5% at a Mm. different level and someone who is between one and 5% just below you and everyone kind of moves up together, then actually, if you're not there, that's, that's fine. Right. Those, those, those lovely, uh, that sandwich around you is <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> still tasty. <That's> right. 
Yes. Still tasty. Yeah. Still tasty. Still tasty. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, when you described that feeling of constant threat and that inability to turn off, I guess for me, these things are, um, they could then become, you know, you can see them, I would guess, in organizations where there is support and there there are the, the support networks and the, the good kind of hygiene factors in a sustainable business. Mm. Mm. But what I'm seeing, and I yeah, tell me if this is the same where, where you are, is that organizations have kind of created this space where there is no option for people except for that. Um, and, and so saying they need to take a break or everything will be fine is just that. It's just words. It's just words, and you're, you've 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 put it in the right time frame here, hmm. because at the moment it's being talked about as if it's a, an a effect of COVID. Well, yeah. yes, COVID has amplified the amount of burnout we're seeing in our society, but it was here long before COVID arrived, yeah. and yeah. it's very much that we have created. This, this workplace environment, which has led to burnout becoming an increasing problem because everybody thinks that, oh, well, I better comply and conform to what's expected of me here because expectation plays a huge role, uh, as does perfectionism yeah. um, and everything else like that. Um, and so it's, it's really sort of unpacking, well, okay, how are we best placed to do our work and do it? to the best of our ability, when we can really get clear on or how the leaders can help their, their employees get really, really clear. Also, what is the best way to keep everybody fully engaged, enough challenge that they are, they're interested and feeling inspired but not overwhelmed, um, to feel that what they're doing is worthwhile, all those good things that we know make work work well, <laughs> then, then, we can start to get rid of this dreadful burnout. And you, at the beginning, when you said it's like, you know, we can see this brick wall and we're just <laughs> stoking the fire on the train to keep running straight into it. Yeah. I think the worst thing about that, and I can highly relate to that imagery, is that we know that this is this is potentially dangerous and we're going to you know, come off worse by hitting that brick wall. And yet, and I was reading about this in a fantastic book I'll share in just a moment, we still end up feeling as if we ought to be doing more. Mm. How does that work? (laughs) We're burning out. We haven't just lit the candle at the top and the bottom. It's it's all the way through. And yet we still feel, oh, I really ought to be doing a bit more, but but, better step up and add a bit extra here. Why? And it's because we've we've been conditioned to think in this way. So it's, it's... going to take a little bit of time to unlearn these unhelpful approaches to how we do our best work. Love that. And I have one question and then maybe we should flip it and say, because everyone's going, yeah, okay. yeah, we're burnt out. How do we help? But one, but one question, which, I, which yeah. I, as we've both been on holiday, I've wanted to chat with you about, which is my sense of, and it's, it's, is it dopamine, the horm? So when we achieve a task at work, right? We we get it. We get a hit, right? Is it dopamine? Is it? Am I right? Yeah, it is. It is. We're getting That's this reward circuitry. We're, we're getting this reward, right? Mm. And so, does this similar to a like to a drug addict who mm. takes more and more drugs and you know mm. can eventually harm themselves? Mm. 
are we addicted to this dopamine hit of doing more, of getting more, of achieving more? Yeah. And so feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, look, I've just got that sort of 10 page draft finished. Let's do the next one because I want more dopamine and and it becomes (laughs) self-perpetuating. So whilst, you know, you, you, hopefully you all heard me, I'm a huge advocate for the fact that organizations need to be putting in place this framework, this bamboo stick for our little spindly plant. Um, But some of that could be like, how can we be giving ourselves different, more calm uh, hormones? How can we be working potentially on like some more oxytocin perhaps or a bit right? Um, Because this is something that I just think about like, and I know I do this when I'm, when I'm close to burnout, I'm like, oh, but if I just get this done and then I go, yeah, got it done. Yeah, got it done. (laughs) So is there is there an antidote or do we just need to be aware of that that is part of what plays into our own cycles? I think having that awareness is critical because yeah. without the awareness, we're lost and we're busily burning out and we're ignoring all the stop signs Ding. Ding. and we don't know that there's a cliff ahead or that big wall that we're about to run into. So, uh, yes, building that awareness, I think, is a critical piece. And then um, the second thing is I think realistically you can't expect the individual to sort this all out on their own, as I've mentioned before. But I think workplaces can um, put in place a burnout prevention strategy. And this needs to be prioritised just in the same way as you would have any other strategy in your business. And we're talking so much more about employee health and well-being, which is this huge umbrella and needs to include burnout prevention in just the same way that we are looking for ways to reduce the prevalence of mental illness. So you might have a strategy on what we put in place there to keep people mentally well. And it's all aligned and it it includes psychological safety. I mean, the whole thing. Yeah. It's like it's our little Venn diagram, isn't it? Our little Venn diagram that we did. Yes. Indeed. So what what is in an effective burnout prevention strategy? Well, I think it's, it's, first of all, it's the education and self-awareness piece. Yeah. So that everybody has that clarity about what is burnout? Why does it matter? What's the impact it has mm-hmm. on your brain and on your body? And I always liken it to a bushfire. I know you don't get bushfires to the same extent as we have here, but over here, when we have a bushfire, everything is laid to waste and you just get left with these blackened sticks that used to be forest. Um, and that's basically what it's like in your brain when, when you've experienced burnout. It's not a good place to end up in. But because we have this marvellous plastic brain, of course, we can restore things to how they should be. So that's always very good. So education and awareness. And I think just keep reinforcing that. And the Mm -hmm. the next piece is the safe haven or environment or room or whatever you want to call it, where people come together to talk about uh, the challenges they're facing on a daily basis doesn't have to be anything big, could be something quite small, but just so they get used to talking about mm. what's going on in their life and get used to the idea that people can volunteer uh, or step up to say, how can I help you with this? Mm. Because uh, many of us, you know, we're, we're proud people, 
we like to know that we're capable and and you know we don't want to be seen running around asking for help every five minutes yeah but it's also about recognizing when you've actually got far too much you can't possibly do it all and it's okay yeah say I'm actually struggling a bit with this is it possible Sarah that you could just spend 20 minutes half an hour with me just to nut this out because I feel completely stuck at the moment and I think the the other thing is to remember that it's the emotional impact that burnout has on us which is so damaging as well as the sort of physical aspect of it, because emotions take a while to, to sort out and, and heal from. If you've got a whole heap of very strong negative emotions, mm. they're not going to go away overnight. And that's why working with a psychologist or counsellor or somebody like that can be very beneficial just to work things through, because sometimes we develop um, limiting self-beliefs where we've told ourselves the same story so many times it's become our truth mm. and we've lost sight that maybe that's not strictly true and we need to be able to challenge that thought. Yeah. And so having somebody to support you in that is, is really valuable. And I think it's about the whole organisation being willing to review how work is done. Oh, and that might be a 12-month <laughs> project I don't know or six months I mean you're not going to do it every week obviously but unless people come back to well let's revise how we do x y or z yeah then yeah. those little bad habits can sneak in and before you yeah. know it all and those ways of doing get yeah. back in there yeah, we go we go back, right? Unfortunately, we go back. yeah, we go back into what's easy, what's known, what what we're used to. And I love this idea. Um, you know, I think the whole idea of kind of the yearly planning and stuff is just so so silly for organizations, anyways. Um, Dom Monkhouse, who's a who's a really fantastic guy, talks about doing ninety day planning. And that's just yeah. in any organization. Yeah. Obviously, you should have your big kind of he calls it yeah, your beat, big, one. big very audacious then- audacious goal, but you need to cut that down into 90 day yeah. plans. And I think the other thing much is more manageable, much more manageable and prioritization for me, organizational prioritization, right? What's your big, hairy, audacious goal? What, do, what are the things that you're going to achieve, want to achieve to, to reach that? And mm. how, how are you resourcing that? And how are you making decisions about it? And then yeah. if you pop that down into your 90 day, you might find at the end of 90 days or even 45 days, Actually, what you started out doing was a terrible idea. And instead of getting into this, it's a bias we have, isn't it? When we've already yes. so much into something and we just think, oh, we have to hold on to it. But actually like getting used to, you know, thinking again, reevaluating, yeah. reviewing a thing. Yeah. So I really love yeah. that you, you've called that out, Jenny. Um, mm. I mean, we could talk about, I think we'll probably have to do a, a second. I think we need another session. Don't I you? think we need another session. I think we need another session, yeah. But yeah. I, really, I really love this. So we're talking about kind of, education and vulnerability and sharing things and having those conversations and asking for help moving from an individualistic view to a more communal view right so it's so it's humans what they call human centric I mean it's another buzz term which we have to be a little bit careful of but it's about remembering we're all people yeah yeah and when you when you are focusing on how can especially as a leader how can I help my people and asking them the question how can I best help you rather than saying, I want you to do this, 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 which, which is 
disappearing fast, thank goodness, but it's yeah. still around yeah. in some places. Yeah. I think that that is going to make a huge difference because when they, if you've got a leader who leads by example, um, who you feel you can relate to, who you know will ask you that question, you know, how are you going? Is there anything I can support you with here? I love that. It's going to reduce that stress and then make it more possible for you to sort out whatever it is that's getting in your way. Because we often think it's the stress that's the issue, but it's not. It's how we respond to that stress, stress. isn't it? Yes. And it's yes. how we think about stress, isn't it? And like, how we think about think it. About yes. It. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Mm. But I think, Jenny, you've got a masterclass coming up, don't you, for any of I do, I do, yes. On this yes. very topic. And I thought, well, for anyone who wants to learn more from the delightful <laughs> Jenny, then um, they should go and check it out. Yes, please do check it in. It's a, a, an online uh, masterclass. It's on Thursday. I think it's the 23rd of June. So it's coming up in a couple of weeks. So if you're interested, hop along to my website. You can find out a bit more, see if it's, um, you know, relevant to you and, and your team. And we'd love to have you on the call. That'd be absolutely brilliant. And I just want to highlight two books, which I think are fantastic for anybody who wants to know a bit more about burnout. My absolute favorite is this one. Just called Burnout. burnout. <laughs> just, burn out, just just in case you were wondering and it's written mm-hmm. by three people and including this chap here Gordon Parker he's a, a professor of psychiatry in Sydney mm. and he runs he's one of the co-founders of something called the Black Dog Institute which is all to do with depression and things like that but he talks a lot about how you can identify burnout and importantly, the pathways to recovery, because it's not going to be the same pathway for everybody. So that's that's very readable. That. It's not it's not too academic. Not dry. And the other one, the other one I absolutely love is this one. It's also funnily got a similar title. Burnout. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is written by two sisters, uh, Emily and Amelia Nagoski. Oh, I think I have seen their have got, yeah, other, it's, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a brilliant little book and uh, extremely readable, extremely pertinent. It's written more for women. Yep. And that's not to say that men can't read it at all, because you certainly can. Um, <laughs> but they've really written it from the female perspective. And it is known that more women than men do suffer from burnout. But don't let that gender bias put you off it because it's an yeah. excellent well and I think I've talked about this before but I'll throw this in which is the burnout em- ah, empathy yes, yes, by Jennifer yes. Mott, which is yes. she's she's a great um a great writer on that as well and and if you follow her she's got lots of great ideas and kind of you know just just yep. little little nudges and and thoughtful yeah. things so no, she's we'd love to know what are you doing you know, are you in an organization that is supporting you? This is what I really want to hear. Actually, I want the good stories. I want to hear from someone who is who's recovered. Yeah. Who is doing this right? Who's got it going yeah. on right now? Yeah. Because um, I think we all could hear some of those good stories and learn from them. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So thank you very much for joining us for this session. Hope you've taken away some thoughts and ideas for what's relevant to you and obviously your situation in your workplace. And of course, we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny very soon. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. 
We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and thrive in whatever you do. Thank you.